This episode marks the end of my second year of podcasting, and it is a tribute to my loving mother who walked the journey of Alzheimer's for 20 years. You'll hear stories from family and a friend, and I know you'll find it heartwarming. Without my mother, there would not be a Fading Memories podcast. The podcast will continue. For now, I am the caregiver to caregivers, and I will walk the journey with you and support you in the journey that I just completed. Please enjoy this episode as a tribute to my mom. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. They say Alzheimer's is a series of goodbyes, and it's true. I have said goodbye to so many things I had with mom. What has been a surprise is that the very last goodbye has been harder than I ever expected. I said goodbye to mom knowing who I was on my 51st birthday. I said goodbye to understanding her conversations last year. I said goodbye to walking in the regional park, watching kids at the swimming pool, or even going out to eat just this past fall. What I didn't expect and surprisingly wasn't ready for was to say goodbye on March 31st, 2020. Mom lived in the memory care residence for three years and two weeks. Both my sister and I thought she'd be there a lot longer. A whole lot longer. Many people have asked me if she died from the COVID virus, and the answer to that is no. She died from Alzheimer's disease. I have her death certificate, and her official cause of death is not eating or drinking for two days, which was caused by the Alzheimer's disease. It may sound strange, but I'm glad her death certificate says Alzheimer's. It's the truth. So many of our loved ones die from other causes that Alzheimer's brings on or makes worse. Pneumonia is one cause, but there are so many more. As a factual historical document, I wanted mom's death certificate to be accurate. Losing a loved one during this coronavirus pandemic adds unexpected challenges to the grief process. I have no idea when I'll be able to hold a celebration of life. I know what I want to do, and it's so my mom, it's perfect. You all know that my mom had an insatiable sweet tooth. So I plan to have a dessert bar, including Diet Coke, at her celebration of life. Mom made all of our desserts, mostly chocolate chip cookies, brownies, frequently with frosting, cakes and pies during the holidays. There was actually a Thanksgiving where the six of us had three pies to split. Each person had a favorite flavor, and Mom made sure that each one was available. I probably don't have to tell you that we really didn't need that much pie. So her celebration of life dessert bar is going to have chocolate chip cookies, brownies, some frosted, and all the varieties of candy she munched on daily. I hope to be able to have that this summer, but I don't know at this point if that's going to happen. I created this podcast as a way to help other caregivers. I thought that since mom and I had been on the journey a long time that I had a lot of input to share. I knew I didn't have a lot of the answers. That's the biggest struggle with this disease. Over the past two years, I have learned so much from my guests, and I thank them all. Frequently, I'd have a situation with mom that I needed help with, so I would find a guest to help me and hopefully all of you through that struggle. If this podcast has helped you as much as it has helped me, then I am a raging success. 
and I know that my mom would be really proud of what I have created. Over the past few months, I have contemplated how this podcast would change once mom was gone. I honestly thought we had a couple of more years. Even as I arranged for hospice care after she broke her leg, I didn't expect her to be gone this soon. Thankfully, this podcast has already had a slight shift in tone naturally. I record in batches, not because that's what I want, but that's how things work out. There are episodes coming soon that were recorded before mom passed away, and I have many new ones that are perfect for this moment in time. It's how this crazy podcast life has always played out for me. So I said mom didn't die from the virus, so what exactly happened? Well, it's probably pretty common. Mom had had a really rough last three months. To start, she fell on December 30th, a fall that required seven stitches in her forehead. What we didn't know then was she most likely fractured her pelvis at the same time. Mom had a lot of pain when walking after that, but it didn't seem to occur to anyone but me that the two incidences were related. I finally got her an x-ray at the end of January, but they x-rayed her hips so the fracture wasn't found. On March 8th, after her shower, she reached for her clothes, slipped, and fell on her knee, breaking her shin bone in three places. I'm pretty sure she jerked away from the caregivers who were in charge of her showers and grabbed at her clothes. Mom had gotten really combative, which was a huge struggle for us all. Breaking her leg was the final insult to her body. It takes a lot of energy to heal a broken bone, and when you have a significantly broken brain, it's just too much. I'm not sad that her struggle is over. I'm sad for what should have been. I've said many times that she should be hanging out with the grandkids and traveling with her friends. Since my daughter is an adult, she'd probably be hanging out with the younger grandkids. Having this podcast and continuing to help other caregivers has made it possible to stay positive in this past month. Being confined almost exclusively to home, being unable to plan a celebration of life, even being unable to clean out her room are all frustrations that have added to the grieving process. I want to thank all of my loyal listeners for being there for me. Without you on the other side of this microphone, I wouldn't have a purpose right now. Knowing that I am continuing to help others like me has made this final part of the Alzheimer's journey a little more bearable. My goal is to always have each episode be interesting, informative, and upbeat. With that in mind, I have crafted this episode as a tribute to my mom. Without her, there wouldn't be a Fading Memories podcast. I would never have connected with all of the wonderful people I have met via the internet and many in person. This episode is a little long, but I know you'll enjoy it. It's in segments, so you'll be able to pause between each guest if necessary. So without further blabbing from me, I want to introduce my first guest. My daughter Laura is 28 and the oldest grandkid. She's blessed because she got all the good years with her grandmother. And she's up first. So my mom asked me to tell a story about my grandmother. The thing of it is with my grandmother... Well, of course, I have big memories with her, like going to theme parks or Disneyland. And she was the one that took me to Mexico, which is one of the only two countries that I've been to. The things that were important with her was the routine stuff, annual traditions or stuff that I did every week with her. She taught me so many of the skills that I still use today. 
so perhaps which my favorite is baking that I still use. Uh, we made so many cookies, so many sugar cookies, chocolate chip cookies, brownies, cupcakes, lots and lots of sugary treats. And I even still have some of her bakeware that I use now. <laughs> um, when I was a kiddo, she even signed me up for a cookie recipe subscription that sent me recipe cards, cookie cutters, and sprinkles every month. And I still have a few of them, but we got so many very random cookie cutters that we don't have anymore. Or not all of them, anyway. We uh, didn't have a lot of use for the lobster one. <laughs> um, I try not to bake sweets as frequently anymore, because it's a really good way to be even heavier than I am. But what... What it did for me was it gave me the confidence to try baking without fear. And sourdough gave me a run for my money recently, but I still bake every week because of her. And that confidence because of how often I baked with her is what allows me to tackle any kind of bake that I want to, even if I don't really know what I'm doing. So things like that happened frequently because she was a really big part of my childhood. She was the one that picked me up on from school on Wednesdays, well, well, well into my middle school years. Grandma was never, like, the most adventurous cook, mostly because of my grandfather, who thought salt was spicy. Uh, some of the things that I would eat after school with her are still things that I go to when I need comfort food, when I'm having a bad day or I'm really just not in the mood to handle whatever I'm handling. Probably the biggest of the two are actually fried egg sandwiches and macaroni and cheese. Um, I spent a ton of time growing up with her, second really only to my parents, so we ended up doing a lot of annual traditions. Um, probably my favorite being Halloween. Um, Halloween has been my favorite holiday for a very long time, and it's only getting more like that now, but it started because she and I would make costumes together. And these weren't, these weren't grumpy clothes and like scraps of art supplies. These were, these were good costumes because she was a really killer seamstress. Um, and though she did a lot of the work, she did teach me how to sew, which is obviously a st skill that I still use even more than a decade later. Uh, she took me to sewing lessons when I was very little, and I learned a lot, although I did have a lot of small problems. She was definitely a better seamstress than I'll ever be. Um, she it was, was She wasn't the best teacher. She was not a very superb teacher, but she tried. Um, it was definitely lessons that my mom reinforced, who's also a pretty decent seamstress as well. Um, but Halloween, that one was special because of being able to do those costumes with her. Uh, and of course, Halloween is followed by Christmas and Christmas was always special. But when I was a little kid, it was also really chaotic because when I was a kid, my family had a photo studio that had a physical brick and mortar store. So like every other business around the holidays, they were slammed basically until Christmas Eve, if not even beyond that. So while they were super busy, I still had those days off with my grandmother and we'd of course make more cookies Lots and lots of cookies every, every year. But we'd decorate, and while it was never a skill I picked up on, my grandmother had an electric organ, which is like a piano, but not a piano. 
in her front room that she would play, especially around the holidays. Uh, It worked out because I liked singing more than I liked playing, and she liked playing more than she liked singing. So we would play some holiday songs. But the one that I always remember and the one that I hold the dearest to my heart with her is actually Jingle Bell Rock. And I'm really hoping that it doesn't make me cry this year because it's still one of my favorite holiday songs as well. Um, I think about it every time I hear Think about her, rather, every time that I hear it. So that's at least a nice memory for now. But when I was asked, do you have a big story to tell? That's why my answer was kind of no, because being with my grandmother wasn't big stories. It was the little things that made the biggest impact on me. And they're the kinds of things that I hold most dear about my grandmother. Knowing my grandmother just wasn't big stories. It was consistent. She was almost like a second mom, but it was just kind of nice to have two really good maternal figures in my life. Even if one just happened to be my mom's mom. So there was one thing that you didn't mention that was very grandma, and that was her, her dogs. Do you remember that you came home from the hospital and we got Holly? You were six weeks old. We got Holly. Do I remember being six weeks old? No, I don't remember being six weeks old. But I do remember Holly. Uh, That is true. Although, interestingly, I actually associate Holly more with Grandpa than I do with Grandma. She totally ended up being his dog. She was totally his dog, but... Not that poodles weren't definitely a Grandma thing. So I didn't mention uh, Coca-Cola either. Despite the fact that I am drinking Diet Coke today, That's which was true. totally a grandma thing as well. <laughs> that is true. But this, this was the slightly more important memories than just, you know, soda choices. Do you remember sleep? You don't remember. Do you remember the photographs of you sleeping in the box with Holly? Yeah. Yes. You guys even put nice Christmas wrapping paper on the inside for us. We wanted you to have stimulation. That was for you, <laughs> not for the puppy. Oh, I'm sure the puppy appreciated it too. Puppy appreciated having another, another soul to sleep with, snuggle yeah. with. It's a very cute picture. Yes, Holly Holly was an interesting dog, especially compared to the golden retrievers that we had while I was growing up. Uh, she was princessy. I don't want to say prissy, because prissy's not really quite the right word. She was very princessy, but that was because Grandpa did treat her like a princess. That's true. Do you remember her sitting in front of the two double glass doors to the studio, waiting for Grandpa to come back? Yes, I do. She sat in front of the doors a lot. I think people actually kind of liked having the little poodle around. Definitely I gave our shop flavor. I don't know if, like, the customers cared much, but I know that, like, the people that worked there certainly seemed to like her. So, how was Grandma's sewing room decorated? It was definitely Coke stuff everywhere, which, I mean, Coca-Cola stuff everywhere. Um, she had quite a collection. What ended up happening to that collection? It went in the estate sale. Most of it was not... I mean, it wasn't collectibles, right? it was a collection. It was a collection of stuff that was mass-produced. Yeah, and it made her happy. That was Mm -hmm. the part that mattered. Yes, her sewing room had, like, shelving around the top, like, on top of the cabinets. It had Coca-Cola stuff all over it. Mm -hmm. And she had Coca-Cola Christmas ornaments. And, of course, she had Diet Coke every single day, at least. (laughs) Not that I have a lot of room to talk, considering I have Coke Zero every single day. So, you know, like grandmother, like granddaughter. You don't drink two liters of... Oh, God, no. I don't manage to get through that much in a whole day. That's a lot. It was a lot. So when we went to Atlanta, right, not long after Grandpa died, your dad and I went to the Coca-Cola Museum, 
And it was it was neat, but it was also a little bit sad that I couldn't really share that with her. Yeah, I believe that. She she didn't track with things and it it didn't register. It was like looking at foreign language. You knew it was language, you knew it said something, but it just was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Unfortunately. But that the, was that was kind of the hardest part about the dementia with grandma is that the person that I was talking about that I had all these traditions with, she was kind of gone already. Not really. I, I certainly admire how strong you are in going every single Monday. Cause I, I'm not sure I could have done that. There were some Mondays. Yeah, I believe <laughs> that. Not to mention all of the troublesome doctor visits and troublesome doctors. Yes, there are a lot of stories about doctors. But. So you you said Halloween was your favorite holiday. Yes. Which I know. It still is. And then you said then comes Christmas, but you skipped over Thanksgiving. That is true. Which the, something happens between Halloween. Halloween and Thanksgiving also. You mean like all the birthdays? Yeah. Your birthday, my birthday. And Miranda's. And Miranda's birthday. Um, but do you, what happens on Thanksgiving? What used to happen at Thanksgiving, the dinner table? <laughs> didn't happen just at Thanksgiving. No, but we always tried really hard at Thanksgiving not to bring up this topic. What topic did we always end up bringing oh, up? Oh, Lord. Usually bodily fluids for some reason. Gross conversations <laughs> that were just not dinner appropriate. And I think the act of trying really hard not to made it worse because now everybody was thinking about it. It always came up before dessert. It always came up before dessert. It did. And Thanksgiving is another one of those things that I associate it more with dad than I do with grandma. Mostly because Dad's definitely a better cook than Grandma is was rather. No well, offense. he has definitely perfected the the brined compound butter basted. Oh God, it's so tasty! Just thinking about it, <laughs> it's like now I want turkey. <laughs> definitely, I don't know if Grandma was not the greatest cook because Grandpa was the worst eater. I mean, Grandpa definitely. I I mean it when I feel like I thought salt was salt was spicy. I don't think he used anything other than salt and pepper. No, but I definitely remember the stories you told me about him holding the onion rings out of the car window <laughs> yes. because he hated the smell of onions or the Christmas that we made the French onion soup in the garage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did oh. you forget about that? No. The garage the... smelled great. Yeah, if you if you want to make French onion soup in a crock pot and you've got a family member that hates onions... Put it in your garage, because your garage is going to smell good for at least a few days. Especially in the autumn, where you don't open the garage a lot. That is true. This was, <laughs> no, the first time we made it for Christmas was French onion soup to go with the the roasted meat. I don't think it was roast beef. It was the fancier meat. Prime rib. There we go. And I would have been wrong, so. I was about <laughs> to say the wrong cut of meat, so. And he walked, like, two steps in the door, which was like, what, 40 feet from the kitchen? Oh, at least. This was in the old, old house, yeah? Uh-huh. It was at least, if not closer to 100 feet. Remember, the studio was 20. Ah, well. So maybe... 40, 50 feet. Yeah, for a sure. A while. It, a ways. Yeah, and he was like, oh my God, what is that smell? <laughs> and this was Christmas Eve, so... Yeah. I do have to admit, though, when you make French onion soup in a crock pot, your eyes do burn. Oh, I believe it. Because I had a little laptop downstairs in the kitchen i was wondering i thought my eyes were burning because i'd been on the computer too long but no it was that it was the french onion soup but it was yummy i mean i know grandma did the best she could cooking wise with what grandpa would eat 
And it got worse after he was diabetic, too. Yes, it definitely did. Because she, she was more adventurous, certainly, when uh, when we went out to eat. She didn't ever, like... I would have never pegged her as, like, meh food at a restaurant. No, but they never went to anything super... F- they always went to, like, diners and... and Cocos? Yeah. <laughs> Places that were... Pretty milk toast to begin with. Well, I was thinking, like, upscale diners, if that's a thing. <laughs> it's like... I mean... Coco's was great. They had good food, but I think they had the unfortunate association of being like where my grandparents went a lot. So every time I think of a place like that, I think of like grandparent food. (laughs) It's probably not very polite. It's like an old people restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) So did you guys do anything special for Halloween besides sew costumes? I mean, for a long time, we did trick-or-treating in her neighborhood because we lived on a cul-de-sac that, I mean, had what, 10 houses? Seven. Well, we lived in number nine. Yes, but that was because there was like ah, little apartments attached to... That's fair. There was the big house and the six little tiny houses. I mean, not less than a dozen residences total. Oh, totally. So we we would trick-or-treat in her neighborhood, which was also nice because her neighborhood was super flat. There was not any hills in her neighborhood. So you could hit a lot of houses and a lot of candy really quickly. Do you remember Grandma's candy habit? Yes and no. No? No, not really. She, oh, oh, the... Uh, I mean, she likes... fruit rings and... She likes Smarties. Yes. I like Smarties, too. I like tart candy, and so did she. She also liked candy corn, the crazy woman. <laughs> she had candy corn at the house a lot in the, hall, in the Halloween time, and I'm like, but why? Candy corn is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's like a totally controversial internet subject. Oh, I know. It's also like pineapple on pizza. I like pineapple on my pizza, to be fair. It's be a California-Hawaii thing. I don't know. It's sweet and salty. It's good. Yeah, it is. Paul doesn't think it's good. I don't eat pizza that has pineapple on it, because it's not the one that I order, but I don't dislike it. No, Grandma liked to eat all the, like, Jolly Ranchers. Oh, yeah, she and the, did. And the... Lifesavers. The taffies, and the, you know, like, um, oh, she liked the Starbursts. Oh, I liked Starbursts, too. What else did she eat? Although, um, every, so, every time I think about Starbursts lately, I think of one gross story. And don't eat Starbursts when you have loose teeth as a little kid. That is true. Well, that's, we gave those to you to get rid of some of those loose teeth. <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, your grandmother was good at breaking her teeth on hard candies. Hey, she had weaker teeth. Than yeah, she had most. chalky teeth. And you'd, so you'd think she'd give up that. She loved, um, like, sugar daddies. So it was like basically the hard caramel on a stick. I think I remember that, yeah. Yeah. She, um, I mean, oh, and, um, admittedly, minus the Smarties, she ended up eating a lot of the candy out of my candy bag that I didn't like. So that's probably why I don't remember it that well. Oh, that's, no, she always had candy. Yeah, I remember the Jolly Ranchers, though, although you like Jolly Ranchers as well. Yeah, but I really, like, if I want to eat candy, I prefer it to be chocolate. But she did love Junior Mints. Junior Mints are so good. Yeah, I, I love, love Junior, Junior Mints. Mints. So we got candy and dogs and costumes. Cookies. So, cookies, I know. And brownies. Only <laughs> one sugar now. I'm, I'm sorry. It's she okay. frosted her brownies, too, which I liked, but I know you, you're not super fond of frosted brownies. I like them, but it's just like another layer of sugar and calories. I mean, you're so. already eating the brownie. Well, she used to frost angel food cakes sometimes. That I did not know. If she had enough time, she would make that, like, meringue, white, frosting. Uh, royal fr- royal icing? No, that gets hard. I don't know. It's a special frosting that goes on angel food cake. 
she was. I didn't appreciate angel food cake until I was much older. Angel food cake was like sad cake when I was a kid. And <laughs> really? Yeah, angel food cake is fine but now that I'm an adult. But like when I was a kid, I didn't want a fruit covered cake. That's not what cake was about. I don't remember. Well, I guess when she frosted it, then she'd also put strawberries on it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people... Kind of throw some healthy stuff there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, I'd still take a piece of chocolate or vanilla cake over angel food cake, but I'm going to eat the angel food cake, too. I like chocolate angel food cake. Vaguely recall some of those. She made devil's food cake a lot, though. Yes, but she made them out of a box. That is true. You make cake from scratch. I made it from scratch because I was too lazy to go to the store. (laughs) But that was, that's another example of having the confidence because of learning from baking with her to, I'll figure out how to make this cake from scratch. I've got all the ingredients. It can't possibly be that hard. No, it's not hard. It's just like you've learned with the sourdough. It takes a little experimenting and a little learning. Baking is definitely finesse. I haven't had anything quite as difficult as the sourdough yet, though. I think she'd have been proud of the sourdough. I definitely she would have been proud of the sourdough. So... Christmas holiday. You talked about when we had our studio. Do you remember sleeping in the dressing room because yeah. we'd work till like 2 a.m.? Yes, I do. I didn't remember that it was that late, but to be fair, I was asleep. Yeah. So, but yeah, I remember things would get dark. You'd turn off a lot of the lights on that side and you guys would be in the areas with the print machines and the computers doing all the retouching and whatnot. And I'd pass out in the dressing room. Yeah, the dressing room was the size kind of like a standard skinny long bathroom yeah it was definitely bathroom sized and you slept in a sleeping bag under the basically the makeup counter (laughs) it worked it did it was quiet it was away from all of us i also remember going up into her attic to get decorations sometimes for the store sometimes to decorate her house we decorated her house a lot though she always went as much as she could every christmas with decorations and she had a lot of Sentimental decorations, like the, the ceramic tree from Grandma, Great Grandma June. Um, she had a lot of the like special ornaments that were not just plain ornament ornaments. I think I was in junior high, or I don't remember what how old I was. Actually, I think it was in elementary school, and she started buying an ornament every year that kind of depicted something special that happened to you that you, or you did. Which definitely got to be a challenge. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> and um, you don't really like special ornaments. I like fancy Christmas trees. If I'm going to go out all out for Christmas, I like it to be kind of elegant fancy. So yeah, you're right. Not that I wouldn't have them. But maybe when I actually have space for more than one Christmas tree, I'll have a special ornaments tree and then my fancy, fancy Christmas tree. Makes sense. So did you guys have any special Christmas? Mostly Sugar cookies. Yeah, you guys did make We did lots of sugar cookies, and we'd do things like the little, like, silver sprinkle balls on them, and we... I think those are called non-perials? I don't know what they are. They they're like fancy French they're name. Like, they look like little silver metal balls, but they're edible. They're made out of sugar. And we'd put those on stuff, and we'd frost them every color of the rainbow. We'd have Santas, and we'd have gingerbread, and we'd have angels or stars, and we'd have sugar-covered... Um, snowflakes with the like blue sugar we do those a lot too we made a lot of sugar cookies almost every year you know how exhausting that is oh yeah i know now (laughs) so like a lot of the things that i was while i was writing stuff down to try to help remember this i was like 
God, that sounds exhausting. Because I didn't do the dishes. I was a little, well, I'd help with the dishes. But I was a kid. The kids are only so great at dishes. Do you know how old you were when you started making sugar cookies? No, because I don't really remember not making sugar cookies. You know why? Because you started making sugar cookies before you had long-term memory. Oh, jeez. I gave... Do you remember... Do you know how old kids are before they start getting long-term memory? Like three or four? Three. Yeah. I think we've got pictures of me definitely cooking way before I can remember stuff. But we've got also, like, a million pictures of me cooking. That's true. Especially with Dad. That's because I was the photographer. That's true. But you... I was off on Fridays and Saturdays, and you always say... Make sugar cookie! Make sugar cookie! Because I like cookies. And if I was smart enough on Thursday, I would make the dough and it would be chilled. Because, you know, it always has to be chilled for at least an hour. And when you're two, an hour feels like a week. You don't have that kind of patience. (laughs) And so you would, I would roll out, I would make the dough, chill the dough, roll it out. You would cut out about half a dozen cookies and then you would leave me with the mess. I'm sorry. (laughs) So I don't know when you started making cookies with your grandmother, but... Apparently it was way back. Oh yeah, probably. Cupcakes so. too. We did cupcakes a lot as well. Cupcakes were much easier than sugar cookies, to be fair. As she got older and maybe her memory wasn't quite as good. It was like, let's do something simpler because it's too much trouble. <laughs> I think that was one of the other reasons why we didn't really use the recipes out of that cookie subscription. is because they were way more complicated than just buying like sugar cookie dough in the roll or chocolate chip cookies or a brownie mix. Oh, I have a funny story. It's not your grandmother, but it is cookie related. And yeah. I... It, well, I can I can tie it back to your grandmother because now I remember the story completely. So your aunt was supposed to help us with sugar cookies for my sorority's holiday party. I remember this story, but it's one of my favorites. And as things, you know, generally happen when you're an adult, the day doesn't go as planned, so she didn't make the dough in enough time to chill it. So your aunt, being smart... And just a little conniving, (laughs) rushed over to the store and got the Pillsbury sugar cookie dough in a tube, Mm -hmm. unrolled it, put it in a ball, put it in the fridge and let it chill, and then brought it over. And everybody loved that dough so much. Everybody kept saying, you have to give me the recipe. Now, (laughs) listeners should remember that my mom didn't buy cookies, cupcakes, like no, we never we didn't have store bought cookies until like the loft house ones when I was like a teenager. Oh geez, those are like fat and sugar like held together with some frosting. They're very good, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just it just didn't happen. I did not grow up with store bought cookies. Occasionally, we would get fig newtons or Oreos, but yeah, those hardly count. Yeah, I mean, Oreos are technically cookies. I wouldn't even really consider fig newtons cookies. They are, but they're not. Yeah, they're kind of more like a they're like a snack. <laughs> That's true. So anyway, here's your aunt thinking that she's all sly and sneaky and she's going to she's gonna solve the problem. And everybody's like, this is so good. You have to give us the recipe. You have to give us the recipe. So she was forced to confess. And that I think that's when we all started using that. But it's really sticky and it takes a ton of flour. To, it really does. I mean, like a lot of flour so that you can roll it out. So it got to the point where like, if I have to make this much mess, I might as well make the dough myself. Grandma and I made sugar cookie dough once and it just wasn't as good. I think it was because we put uh, almond extract into it, which a lot of sugar cookies do have almond extract in it. But I didn't like almonds or nuts until I was an adult. Like this has been a recent 
fine. Like this year, last year, I found out that I actually kind of like nuts. So any almond flavor, just like it was like these cookies are just not worth eating. <laughs> I only like almond. I mean, it has to be like almost like a hint of almond flavor. Get wave it over the bowl. Kind of, yeah. Like two drops too many, and it's it's like yuck. Yeah, it's very very strong flavor, but. I think, I think it was the last time that Grandma and I tried to make one of those cookie, like, recipe things. We used the sugar cookie, or the cookie cutters, and the sprinkles all the time. But the recipe cards didn't get used nearly as often. Because a lot of them were really complicated. Yeah, there was like a circus one, and it had, yeah, it was, I remember those were, and they were small cards and small print, and yeah, it was like. We did do a, you and I did one of the ones where it was like, you cut the the cupcakes in a specific way and you made little hats little leprechaun hats out of them i think we made that one together that sounds familiar but i don't remember which direction you cut the cupcakes i don't either we also did the little i think you me and grandma did the uh little hamburger cookies out of the vanilla wafers oh yeah those were good and i think well she might have done them with you but yeah that was my i i found that idea i mean i know it was you first but i think you me you and i did it and then she and i did it for something else too because wasn't it it was a junior mint in the middle wasn't it yeah, peppermint patty. Peppermint, same close flavor. <laughs> same flavor, more flat. Yeah. So, so sugar. Yeah. Your grandmother was big on sugar, yes. which we now know is not necessarily great for your brain. No. But it's also why we're going to do a dessert bar at her celebration of life. Yes. Because I can't imagine she would have wanted anything else. She enjoyed doing the teas with us, too. <laughs> so we're going to do a dessert bar with tea sandwiches, definitely Diet Coke, even though most of the people I know don't drink Diet Coke or Coke Zero and tea, and have more good stories of her. You want to know one last thing, food-related, too, about Grandma. She's she's the one that microwaved the tea water. Yes, we have a whole episode on tea and brain health and how you don't microwave the tea water. No, no, no. Yes, she's the one that taught me then. It wasn't until I moved out, basically, that I started actually using a tea kettle, and then you got me the electric one, which is fantastic. But yeah, she microwaved her tea water every single morning. Yes, crime <laughs> against tea. I know that now. It was still funny. Well, you still put ice cubes in it. I put one ice cube in it okay. so I can drink it faster, just... but not every time. Oh, okay. Depends, yeah, I, on I, how I tried... fa- depends on how fast I need to get through the tea. That is true. Yeah, when we'd go to Pete's or something together these last three years... I always had to get a lar- a small tea in a large cup with ice on the side. <laughs> it was such a complicated order for tea. Well, to be fair, Pete scalds their tea water. Yeah, I had to put tea, I- tea, ice cubes in my tea, too. You put tea in your tea? Yeah, well, <laughs> definitely. I, I get to the point where I'd start getting her hot chocolate, just because it was usually cooler. Yeah, that's fair. But, yeah, we have some, we had some we had some fun times at Pete's. She liked to watch the people. Oh. I believe that. So, but we're not microwaving tea. No. And we're not going to drink Diet Coke in two liters every no. day. Oh, God, no. It's bad for your brain. So, thank you. Hi there. My name is John, and I am Jennifer's husband. Uh, Diane was my mother in law. Jennifer asked me to spend a little time and share some stories that I had about mom, and I'm going to take some time to do that. One of the things that hit me from the first time I met mom, that she was a normal mom. Now that's saying a lot because some people thought she was crazy sometimes, but to me in my world, she was normal. I had a difficult relationship with my own mother. 
things haven't changed a whole lot in 30 years. But the one thing that made mom, Diane, so special to me was that sense of normal. She was there when we needed her. There was birthday cakes that she made, dresses and clothing she made for people, costumes she made for my daughter. Food that she cooked was really great. I mean, it was just normal. And I know people go, well, what's so interesting about that? What's so special about that? Well, when you don't have that growing up, that's something very special in your life. Mom always knew how to entertain. Whenever we would have a family gathering, I will never forget, especially during the holidays, when she would decorate the table in the dining area, we would all squeeze around the table, and she had these Christmas dishes that she absolutely loved. Um, and she would set them all out, and the table looked like something off of a Norman Rockwell painting. I mean, it was typical Americana. It was something for me that was very inviting, very um, just normal. And I know that's going to seem like a lot of the theme about some of the things and the stories that I talk about, but that to me meant everything in the world. I think the most special thing about mom, especially for me, was the relationship that she had with Laura, my daughter. She had the most amazing love and care for Laura. They did things together that most grandparents or grandmothers would do with their granddaughters. And that, again, is normal. But for me, it was special because I didn't have that relationship with my mom, but I did have it with both my grandmothers, my both my mother's My maternal grandmother and my paternal grandmother were very influential in my life. Um, There's a really um, strong argument that the reason I am who I am today, besides everything that Jennifer did for me for the last 32 years, is that I got that good start in my life because both of my grandmothers were there for me in very difficult times that we were dealing with, with my mother and my father and their marital issues. So the relationship between Laura and Diane, my mother-in-law, so I'm trying to keep everybody straight here because I don't want to get people confused. It can get confusing, was something that I absolutely thought was special. Laura knows that. Laura adored her grandmother. She baked cookies with her, and like I said, she'd sew costumes for her, and grandma or mom made great, got great presents at Christmas time, and just all the normal stuff. And and that was something that was super, super special. Um, and I to this day, I think that my daughter is the strong person that she is, not only by, you know, what Jennifer and I have done raising her, but also because she had that solid, normal um, background or uh, bringing up by her grandmother. One of the interesting stories, speaking of Laura and her grandmother, is mom had a car accident and it was just after Laura was born and I won't go into the details about how the accident happened, but mom hit her face really hard on the steering wheel of the car and and she was pretty banged up, but she wanted to still do Christmas. She was so determined to make sure that Christmas was going to happen. So 
I will never forget this. She said she wanted to go shopping. And I looked at her and I said, let's do it. And we got in the car, me, her, Laura. And at the, by this point, mom really couldn't walk. So we had to have her in a wheelchair. So here we are. We're in the shopping mall. I'm pushing mom in the wheelchair. And lo and behold, mom is pushing Laura in her stroller. It must have been quite the sight of us with a little shopping parade going through Macy's at Sun Valley and all the other stores going shopping for the different things that we needed for Christmas because that's what mom wanted to do. The accident was not going to slow her down, and she wanted to make sure that Laura's first Christmas, even though Laura didn't remember anything because she was just she was just an infant, she wanted to make sure that everything was normal. So we had the best of times. We would run into things. We would run into people. Um, we started joking about it afterwards, thinking that we needed to get insurance on the baby stroller because that's the thing that kept hitting everybody was the baby stroller. And I kept telling mom she needed to steer better. And she said, well, I tried when I was driving in the car, but it didn't work then and it's not working now. So I said, okay, fine, whatever. But it was just hysterical for the, the three of us tootling around the store. And I even told Jennifer, we were talking about you know, what I was going to say in this episode about mom. And we started talking about this story and I said, oh my God, I wish we had had Twitter. I'm sorry, or Facebook or Instagram or, and cell phones. So people could have taken a picture of us going through the store because that must have been quite a sight. It was difficult for me. And I think obviously for Jennifer and for Laura, as mom started to started on her Alzheimer's journey, and especially when things started getting really serious after dad passed away. And one thing that I keep in mind, you know, because mom was very hostessy. She was, you know, like I said, the Christmas parties, the birthday parties, the barbecues, all of the things that she did were always the best. The food was always great. The company was always great. The backyard was always clean. She was always washing down the backyard, make sure the backyard was cleaned up when we were out there because she didn't want cobwebs in the trellis and made sure that the swing was up so people could sit it in except for one fateful barbecue we had where Laura cracked her head on the pavement or the concrete in the patio. Well, that's another story. But even in the last year's Mom still kind of had that little hostessy kind of attitude, and sometimes it it sometimes it would drive you crazy. You you know you'd be sitting there going, you'd ask her about what does she want, and she says, "Oh, whatever you want," or you know, you no, that's fine. Whatever you want to do is fine because that's what she did when she was you know normal when we had our normal times together. Um, but there's something to be said about normal when you don't have it. And you get it, it means everything in the world. And it always meant everything to the world to me. Um, She was like my mom. She really was. I can't think of a day that I didn't think otherwise. Um, I even started calling her mom before Jennifer and I were even married. We were talking, Jennifer and I were talking about that the other day. But I think what's really important is the memories that we share the memories that we cherish, because that's all we have in the end is the memories. But, you know, when they're special like they are, and this wonderful woman that would drive us crazy from time to time, don't get me wrong, we went head to head a few times. And it was funny because she had no problem telling me, you know, how she felt about stuff. 
You know, she didn't sugarcoat things because I was one of her kids and I always felt like that. So I will miss her tremendously. Um, I know things were really rough in the end. Um, but, you know, we did our very best or Jennifer did her very best to make sure mom had the best quality of life that she could in the last years. And that's what I'm always going to remember. I'm going to remember my normal, wonderful, loving mother-in-law. So you started talking about a story about fateful family barbecue where... Oh, Lord. (laughs) It's the family barbecue of the epic parenting fail. Ugh. So why was it why was it the epic parenting fail? So we were all in the backyard just to give everybody the idea of what's happening. So here we are. It's Jennifer and I, my mother and father-in-law, Jennifer's grandmother who's now 102, my sister-in-law and her husband, and Laura, and we were having a barbecue. And we were all sitting on the back patio and to kind of give some context, mom and dad had a trellis that was over the back patio which was all aggregate concrete and mom had a knitted seat swing that was attached to the trellis and it had a bar where the netting of the, of the seat went in. So Laura being all of what she was like seven. I think she was like five or six, five or six. She was, she was young. She was pulling herself up on the bar and she was hanging. She wanted to show us how she could hang from her missing something first. Okay. We got forewarned oh. that the epic parent failure, which I'll explain in a second, was about to happen. Okay. She passed out tickets to her trapeze show. Oh, the trapeze show. I forgot about that part. That's what she was doing. My mom had always allowed her to basically take the seat part off the hammock swing right. seat off the bar. Right. And hang on it like a monkey bar. I'm surprised this didn't happen before. But <laughs> anyway, go on. Well, she was always smart enough to put the... Chair cushions, Chair cushions underneath under it. it. We didn't do that. Well, That's right. Okay. This is why it was epic parent failure because yes. Nana was there. My parents was. We had three generations of parents plus an aunt and uncle, to Laura. There, she passes out tickets to her trapeze show. She starts no chair pads underneath it nothing and she let go of the bar with her legs and landed square on square the on the top of her head, and of course she comp- it compressed her spine so she flopped on the ground, wailing and screaming. Saying she can't move, she can't move, and then she starts yelling at us, call 911. She was the one yelling at us, call 911. So, of course, you have, like Jennifer said, you had the three generations of parents, and none of us thought about putting anything under her trapeze. And I will I will never forget out of the whole instance was when I, when we the paramedics came, she started to she started to mellow slightly. And they put her in the ambulance. I'm riding in the car behind the ambulance. Jennifer's in the ambulance with Laura. And Laura's at one starts wondering, why do they have no lights and sirens? Can you put the lights and sirens on, please? So of course, you know, we get to the hospital, they check her out. She's got a concussion. No, she's not a concussion. She didn't have a concussion. I don't believe she might She had have. a bump on her head. Yeah, she did. But you missed a step. Okay. Who was freaking out? Oh. You, yeah, grandma, yeah. auntie, and yeah. I, you and my sister had some snappy words at each other. Uh, yeah. Who was the one that stayed calm? Uh, you. Yeah, Laura's mommy. Yeah, I'm always 
amazed at that one that I'm the one that stayed calm. But yeah, when we uh, were in the ambulance and Laura's like, why are there no lights and sirens? I was like, can you just take us back? The kid is obviously fine. Yeah, exactly. And she was at the age when they did the x-ray of her head, you could see the permanent teeth that hadn't come in yet. So oh, went, that's right. Yeah. I so. forgot about that part. So, so, okay. And there was one other story you kind of glossed over from bef- before we were married. What did you love to do when you came up and visited for the weekend? Oh, so um, I, I don't know if Jennifer has ever told this story. My mother-in-law, when we met, had probably in the late 80s, the coolest car you could probably ever have. It was a Nissan 300ZX. It was black. It had a T-top, leather interior. It was one of the first cars that talked to you. It's like... If the car door was open, it would say, your door is open. Your fuel is low. I mean, so it was the coolest car. So I would purposely detail mom's car for her in hopes of me being able to drive it as long as I detailed it. And, of course, she willingly let me do that as long as I detailed the car. Yes, I shamelessly remember that now. I was such a car hoe. And that was the car that she totaled. Oh, yeah, it's the car she totaled in the accident, yeah. What happened was a drunk turned in front of her and she T-boned him. And I think that car with its big engine, I think it saved her life. Well, it was the safety cage because we didn't know that Nissan had built a safety cage around the compartment of the car because of its size. And and the uh, I guess we heard later from the, not the paramedics, but the fire department or whoever it was that said... That, yeah, those cars were especially built with those cages, and it basically saved her life. Because when my dad saw that car, he... He thought she was dead, yeah. Yeah. So it was a... It was a... That car had a lot of... We have a lot of memories with that car when we think back on it, which is kind of funny. Yeah, we have some really good memories. I I remember some pictures Jennifer took of that car with her. Um, They were quite nice pictures. (laughs) You, you, You can explain if you'd like. No, if I could find one, I'll throw it in the video. There you go. So I personally... They were sexy pictures. Oh, yeah, right. They were, <laughs> they were PG sexy. <laughs> but no, I I think that when she hit her face on that steering wheel yeah. and she ruptured all of the blood vessels in her eye, yeah. that was gross. Yeah. Um, I really think that that might, might have been part of the trigger for that, the, early onset, we, yeah. the early Alzheimer's. So yeah. it's uh, interesting. Yeah. And then mom always worked really great under pressure. She made Ugh. she made my wedding veil. She made the bridesmaids dresses, the flower girl dresses, the candlelighter dre- dresses. I had a lot of girl cousins that were young. So we had a lot of young cousins in the wedding. And she made all the cummerbunds for the guys. And the bow ties. Oh, and the bow ties, yeah. So but she, she was basically hemming the dress her dress for our wedding. The, the night- day of or no, the night before. Probably both. Mom was a procrastinator. <laughs> yes, Everybody was. knows that. Yes. She always, but but Jennifer was right. She was better under pressure. I think that's why she did so well in Seroptimus too, is because, you know, um, they always said that, you know, she was really good with the things that they, the volunteer stuff that they did in Seroptimus. And I think she, she worked really good under pressure. She did. So. Made the rest of us nuts. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I love how you describe the food as normal and good. Yeah. Because my dad was such a crappy eater that I don't think it was. <laughs> I will tell you the black beans, not the black beans, the baked beans. Oh, yes. That baked bean recipe. Oh, my God. I, I'm thinking about it right now going, <laughs> do we have the brown sugar? Do we have the mustard? Do we have the ketchup? Do we have the cans of cans of beans and the bacon, real bacon and food? Like my mother was really good at heating up things and swans and dinners and stuff. And let me tell you that even if you're even though that dad was a real picky eater and mom made a lot of basic foods, to me it was like cuisine. That's true because whenever I visited you before we were married, I don't remember her cooking much. No, my mother <laughs> knew how to make spaghetti sauce. That was about it. Everything else, she either microwaved it or or heated it in the oven or or both. She put something in the oven. Then put it in the microwave for a few minutes and then put it back in the oven again. So it just made it feel like it had a baked taste instead of a microwave taste. So your mother's baked beans, barbecues, foods, hams, um, everything to me that she made, even though a lot of people would say, oh, it's kind of boring. I was like, oh, no, this is good food. Well, I have one last memory about okay. food. Well, I have lots of memories about food. One last memory for this segment. So mom always made big holiday dinners, you know, mm-hmm. with the meat, and we always had like mashed, like Thanksgiving, we'd have the turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, green bean casserole, mm-hmm. tossed green salad, and there was always oh, like the rolls, the would, rolls would get left in the oven to warm, and then halfway through the meal, it would be like, where's the rolls? And she was always running in and out of the kitchen, even though it was right next to the dining area. It, she could never get the entire meal all on the table all at the same time. There's always something that she forgot. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Those are our first holiday without mom mm-hmm. and dad. Mm-hmm. But we will survive. Yeah, we will. So here to discuss some more stories about mom is her friend, Joe Harlow. And Joe's been in our life so long that I don't actually remember what year you guys met. Can you remind me of what year that was? I can't remind you of the year, but uh, we met as Amway distributors. And uh, we attended meetings together. And for a short time, uh, we had kind of like um, sales meeting with a a gal who was in Bob Barron's group. And her name was Shirley Irwin. I remember Shirley. So this had to be the early 80s then. Uh, Actually, yes. It would have been very early 80s because I know I had known your mother for uh, five or 10 years before she joined Seroptimist. And that was in uh, 1986. Okay. So it was, I think, mid-70s. Maybe that... I didn't realize it went that far back. <laughs> went back a long ways. <laughs> but these uh, fun sales meetings that we had, uh, actually, they were uh, pep talks or inspiration to motivate uh, the working of the business. But we went to um, a little restaurant in Martinez. And uh, it was tucked in between a couple of antique shops. And so we would go and have breakfast and have our meeting. And then we'd tour the antique shops and have lunch. Oh, (laughs) jeez. I don't think I ever knew that. Or if I, well, see, 
mid 70s to early 80s i was well, i graduated high school in 84 so that was that tell you i wasn't that uh -huh. old no you weren't that old <laughs> but at any rate uh then once uh diane joined our seroptimus group i had uh joined the club in 85 and i was uh working as an office manager for all breed grooming it was a uh, pet grooming shop and the owner of the shop who had done uh, grooming on my poodles for years and years and years uh, decided to start a school uh, teaching dog grooming and so I was her office manager for a few years along with the Amway business and it was lots of fun really enjoyed it and of course your mom and I had a connection because she did her own dog grooming for a number of years and all years also had poodles yes you had standard poodles all the right I had miniature poodles up until um uh it was around the time that Donald got sick and uh we got a standard poodle it was actually a litter mate to the poodle that um um, my friend Kathleen Houston, who owned the dog grooming school, she had uh, a dog that she was using to teach uh, dog grooming. And it was a standard poodle. And uh, so our standard poodle, we called, her name was Sabrina, but we called her Bree. Ah, and yes, Bree. I remember Bree. I remembered the dog. I didn't remember the name. <laughs> she was he, a character. She was, and uh, she really helped Donald uh, during his time of being sick. And when um, we had to put her down, we bought a golden retriever. And then we were golden retriever fans, in spite of the dog hair. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you like me? Uh, you're like, purebred poodles look like A. Purebred golden retrievers look like B. Golden doodles look like mutts. I've not yes. seen a doodle. I've seen one that I think honors both breeds look well. So, because I would love to have a doodle, but I have three golden retrievers. So, <laughs> <laughs> you and I went along the same path. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have standard poodles, but I think their haircuts cost more than cut and color for me. So. <laughs> And they need it frequently. And I if, can you relate don't to that. Brush, if you don't brush in between, you're in deep doo-doo. <laughs> Too bad your friend is not still teaching uh, dog grooming because I tried to trim the toe tufts off one, one foot of my girl dog and I butchered it. Not the foot, the, it, the hair looks bad. <laughs> and now all of them need it because we have a slippery floor and uh -huh. their feet are getting quite furry. So... I'm going to, I'm going to get a YouTube video. <laughs> but yeah, the dogs are overdue for grooming. I think we're about up to the, they've missed one and we're almost about to miss another one about halfway through the, the next go around, you know, between appointments. So it's, it's hard. It's hard to bathe three goldens and get them dry. Yes. yes. <laughs> so Yes, I f almost forgot until you reminded me that, yeah, mom did dog grooming for a long time. I think she did it till she started the Amway business. Yeah, I think so too. 
and she got tired of getting bit and that's you stand on the hard pavement and it was it was physical you wouldn't yeah. think yeah so you have uh stories about your seroptimus days because you know, she well you, she was in seroptimus till 2017 so that's oh, that's a long time <laughs> yeah well uh we we participated in almost everything that uh the club offered us and uh we always went to um district meeting which happens in the fall every year we tried to go every year to founder region conference and uh about every fifth year they go to hawaii for the conference and so i have um, fond memories of our trips to hawaii because the conference was three days, but we tried to stay at least a week so that we could take advantage of uh, what the islands had to offer. That explains some of the pictures that I found recently. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me a little jealous because the Rotary International Convention was supposed to be in Hawaii this June. And I kept saying, I don't think it's gonna happen. I can't imagine Rotary canceling this a giant convention. They spend years planning, but I can't imagine yeah. it's gonna happen. Nope, it got canceled. And then we kind of hung on to all our reservations because it's Hawaii. I mean, I don't need a convention to go to Hawaii. And we had paid for, our, we were gonna go for two weeks, one for the convention and one in Maui. And we paid for mm -hmm. the kids to go to Maui. And then Hawaii is like, yeah, feel free to come here, but you're gonna be in quarantine for two weeks. It's like, refund, please. <laughs> 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 you know, it's like, I'm not going to Hawaii to sit at, you know, in quarantine and then a lot of stuff's still not open. So it's not worth it. So it's like, that's a serious bummer. <sighs> yeah, but everybody's lost stuff this year. So mm -hmm. we, uh, our founder region conference this year was to be in San Ramon at the Marriott. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately it got canceled. And this year is uh, the second year in the biennium. And so we had a election of officers that we were going to do. Well, that's all going to be happening by mail ballot now or email ballot. I can't figure out which one it is. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, and, and our club did mail email ballots this year to elect our new officers. But uh, back to Diane, uh, we had a lot of, um, fun things that we did together. And uh, if during the summertime, especially when uh, we go dark, but we meet in each other's homes for summer lunches, uh, Diane would always host a summer lunch at her house. And so I was usually her helper on those times. And uh, Chuck would barbecue hamburgers <laughs> <laughs> She's laughing because my dad liked things well done. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so it was always a fun time to go to Diane's house. And uh, she and I had traveled together to and from club oftentimes while she was still driving. We would go separately. But uh, once she was no longer driving, I would pick her up and take her to club. And so many of the club members really enjoyed Diane. She had a great sense of humor and um, she was always ta talking about having to get up at oh dark hundred, et cetera. 
Sounds like my dad. <laughs> uh huh. And uh, during the years that they ran the photo business, Graham Family Photo, uh, we always had uh, interaction because Diane would um, develop the pictures, all the club pictures. And she'd always make a couple of copies so I could have a copy and there would still be uh, a copy for the club scrapbook. And then we scrapped the scrapbook. <laughs> <laughs> And so it was just the newsletters and, and um, in later years, she would just put the pictures on a disc for me. Yeah, we switched to digital. Uh-huh. I have her scrapbook from, well, I don't know if it was, I guess it's from when she was president, but it has stuff from her 2012 Women of Distinction. Is that the right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another thing we had to cancel this year. So we're deba debating on whether we'll um, do the Women of Distinction over the summer months or whether we'll put it off to the fall. It'll depend on how soon we're out of this shelter in place. <laughs> it's interesting. I'm, I'm getting less hopeful that we're going to come out of this anytime soon. <laughs> yes. Because I was it's hoping to do mom's celebration of life in July, and now I'm not sure that's an option, but this is April 23rd, so we had a couple months, uh, at least a month and a half before I have to make a decision one way or the other, I think. Uh-huh. I think I told you the other day on the phone we're going to do a dessert bar and Diet Coke. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, Laura talked a lot about all the baking and stuff that she did with my mom and I found a picture her her dad would had a sweet tooth too but he worked uh -huh. in a I think it was a restaurant but or a bakery there's a picture of a bunch of people outside like a restaurant that talks about pies so I'm like that uh -huh. sweet tooth came down genetically <laughs> <laughs> I think so too <laughs> so I know the summer lunches were her favorite thing too. Yeah. They, Is that because they, they were, were just more relaxed? Yes. And even when we went to Hawaii, uh, oftentimes I would have a responsibility where I would actually have to um, go to the full business sessions. And uh, Diane would say, well, I think I'm going to sleep in. I'll see you a little later in the morning. And uh, one of the times that we went to Hawaii, I said to her, so are you going to, are we going to see you for lunch? And she says, no, I'm going to go sightseeing. <laughs> she said, the business doesn't affect me and I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> what year did you guys go to Hawaii? Because I don't actually remember that. Oh, I have to look it up. We actually went twice that I can remember. We also went to a uh, convention which is all of uh, the Seroptimus Clubs internationally. And uh, SIA's convention was uh, held in, um, oh, I knew I was going to forget the name of the town. Anyway, it was in Arizona. Okay. And uh, it was hot, 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 because it always takes place in July. <laughs> That's like my and first Rotary International Convention was in June of 2017 and it was in Atlanta and everybody uh -huh. kept saying 
why are you going to hot Atlanta in June? I'm like, because the convention is in Atlanta in June. <laughs> and we were so blessed because the week before it was like 90 plus degrees with 90% humidity, which for listeners, we're in California. We, we're like lucky if we hit 50% humidity. And when we do, we whine. Uh-huh. And the following week was like 90 plus degrees and 100% humidity. But the week we were there, it was like upper 80s to low 90s and the humidity was about 50 or 60%. So it was tolerable. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just not used to, oh, it's three o'clock. Here comes the thunder, thunder, thunder and lightning. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really like thunder and lightning. But when you're in a hotel room on a balcony up high and you can watch it out in the distance, that was okay. But yeah, I'm, I'm used to our dry, dry, dry heat, dry weather. <laughs> Well, uh, in that particular, uh, I think it was Tucson, Arizona, uh, what we did was at night, after the night session, we would put on our swimming suits and go to the pool. And we would sit around the pool and uh, we were cautioned about keeping the noise down. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe because you guys got rowdy? Oh my goodness, yes. (laughs) <laughs> really rowdy on Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah, mom was never a big drinker. No. But uh, what we would do then is try and be quiet because it was too hot to go back to the hotel room. And so many times uh, they would find us when they came down to lock the pool at night. <laughs> That's funny. I wonder if there's a picture, there's pictures, I hate to tell you that there's pictures of you guys all sitting on the edge of the pool in swimsuits. And now I'm going to have to see if I can decipher if it's Hawaii or Arizona. I think it's Hawaii, (laughs) but I'm going to have to look. It could be Hawaii. I'll look at the background and and decide, is it desert or tropical? (laughs) And the um, other pool that we sat around, uh, Ginger Marsh, had a home on Contra Costa Country Club and a pool in the backyard. And so uh, when we would go to her house for summer lunch, she would say, bring your suits. After everybody leaves, we can go swimming. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know whether you remember the character, Sally Schultz. Yeah, I remember the name. I bet you once you you tell me a story, I'll remember her. Well, Sally... uh, was a um, member who was unforgettable because she had stories and she had uh, Texas-isms that you just couldn't forget. And um, so club members, though she had no family, uh, I think she had a niece, but her parents were gone and her and her sister was gone and, uh, you know, all the family that she had. And so we kind of adopted her and she had a major drinking problem. Oh, yep. That's <laughs> what I remember. <laughs> and so we would kind of gang up on her to make sure that she was taken care of. But uh, we had so many funny but embarrassing times with Sally. It, it was really, um, it was great that uh, so many of us could be supportive of her, but it was really a challenge. And 
Diane always made it fun. So um, <laughs> she got included in all of this Sally character. That's funny. Well, I know you always took mom to Sir Optimus meetings after her. She couldn't drive. And even after her memory was not great. Uh-huh. And I don't know if my dad ever appreciated you enough for that, but I did. Mm-hmm. It was always nicer that you and, and Gloria would pick her up. And Gloria always took her to Costco with her, which I don't know how she managed that because big places like that got, they're overwhelming when you think yeah. about it. And when somebody's brain is broken, it's it's really overwhelming. I don't know how she dealt with it, but she dealt with it good. And I don't think my dad appreciated you guys enough. <laughs> Well, Gloria tried to um, add all of the errands that she needed to run either before or after club meeting. And uh, so it got to the point, your mom asked me, she said, is it possible for you to pick, pick me up and bring me home? Because Gloria keeps stopping everywhere on the way. <laughs> it's a whole different world now. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. It was hard. I'm going to touch base with where mom lived uh-huh. it's, it's difficult because of the pandemic they were fantastic I don't know if I told you this they let me come see her the day before she passed because they said mom they called me Sunday the 29th of March and said mom's not doing well we think she'd benefit from a visit from you so that was already breaking their protocol of no visitors period mm-hmm. and so I went Monday morning talked to the hospice nurse and she left and I got to say all the right things to mom. And then Tuesday I was on the phone with the hospice nurse and the staff. And then I did a podcast recording and then it was my sister hospice nurse. And then the staff called and said, come now. And so 10 of us ended up outside mom's room. So 10 was a little too much. And the executive director at first, cause he saw all the people go past his office. So uh-huh. at first it was John and I and Laura and the almost son-in-law as I call him. And not far behind me was Jeanette and her family. And then uh, mom's youngest brother, Steve and her sister, Sherry. So mm-hmm. like within f- half hour to 40 minutes, we all ended up with 10 of us. And we were, because she was already gone, we were all standing in the hallway. I ignored his phone call because I'm like, I'll just talk to him on my way out. Got to pass his office. Well, he came over and this guy cannot possibly be getting paid enough for all this crap he has to put up with under normal circumstances. But he came over and he's like, um, there are, um, there are, you know, and I'm like, don't worry. There's not going to be 10 people here again. And so I said to everybody, if there is something in mom's room that you want, take it now. My niece had bought when they first, when we first moved her in, my niece bought her a pillow that shaped like, it was a pretty big pillow shaped like a yellow peep, which mom Uh loved. Mom Uh loved peeps. And my aunt took a couple of photographs. My sister took a couple of photographs and so did my husband. And I, so when I turned to the executive director and I said, okay, I will come back this weekend, box everything up. I think everything's just going to be donated. And he said, no, we can't do that right now. We can't have anybody in. And I'm like, I'm already here. (laughs) I guess I should have brought boxes with me and, and they can't move anybody in. So I have that waiting for me. So I'm going to touch base with the staff because they were doing 
FaceTime calls and Skype calls, but mom, mom didn't process things visually well anymore. But if they have a smart TV that's huge, like I let my husband buy an 85 inch TV when we moved. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we've done some Zoom socializing on the big TV. It actually is not too bad. And if they could do that for their residents, they renovated the entire community in 2018. And I don't know if the TV they have there for the residents is a smart TV, but that would be really helpful for people like mom to see something really big. Although it wouldn't wouldn't have helped her at the end anyway, but it would help other people, you know, little, I mean, I had a fairly decent sized iPhone and it's still, she would just look at it and be confused. So, Uh uh-huh. I was very grateful that they let us all come say goodbye because Jeanette saw her that Monday night, you know, and then she passed on Tuesday. So they're wonderful, wonderful place. I can't say enough good things about them. You know, everybody was a good, they, she had good friends there, just like she had with you. Uh-huh. And, and we were really relieved about that. Um, as you know, uh, Ginger passed I think within a year of when Diane went into that memory care place Mm -hmm. and uh, the two of us were going to go and visit and uh, we never made it. And part of that was because of uh, the fact that Ginger was battling cancer and it just went south too quickly. And you always think you got more time. Yes, that's the truth. (laughs) So we should all... Enjoy. I mean, I know this is crazy times and there are, I, I keep reading articles about, you know, is your family annoying you? Is this, that? And it's like, I'm actually quite surprised that we're, we're doing really well relationship wise over here. It's actually gotten better. Uh-huh. So it is possible. So hopefully the kids don't have to move back in. I think they'll be okay financially. So, mm-hmm. you know, we take walks out in the sunlight. There's, we're right next to the Marsh Creek Trail. And right now, because the Marsh Creek is virtually dry, we can walk. There's like a path when it's dry. So you feel like you're out in the woods, even though uh-huh. you're just out here in Brentwood. And so we're, we're, we're doing what we can to keep spirits up and, you know, getting out on our bikes. And I'm still running the podcast. The last two weeks have been crazy. <laughs> this is what happens when you reach out to authors who all i i didn't even think about it i was just like you know i really don't feel like editing another episode so i'm going to reach out to a bunch of authors see if they're interested in being on the show well i forgot that most of them who have books coming out or do book tours they can't so they all filled up my schedule (laughs) but it's been fantastic so and they've helped you know talking Talking about caregiving and and everything, it's helping me with, you know, my feelings with mom. I know I'm going to have a second wave when I get to go back and clean out her room and all that good stuff, but hopefully it won't be too bad. Mm -hmm. I hope not. One of the things that uh, occurred shortly after, actually before your mom passed, another club member, uh, Noreen Lowry, I think Mm -hmm. I told you. Yeah, I remember her too. So um, her sister came up from Southern California and she had a short window of time to be here. I think she was here like three days. And in that three days, we completely cleared out the house that Noreen was living in. And um, 
we had a guy who was part of a networking group that she belonged to who actually was a got junk hauler. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he, he didn't just haul everything to the dump. He took things that were valuable and could be repurposed and took them either to the Goodwill or to hospice or, uh, you know, someplace where people could um, have the things and use them. And then whatever was left over went to the dump. But in, in less than 24 hours, the house was completely cleared of everything. And the sister, and number one, she was in total shock and she was having a real hard time. And so I knew that she didn't really have a chance to go through things. She didn't keep anything, mm-hmm. um, maybe a quilt or two or um, maybe a picture or two. And so one of the last uh, carloads of stuff that we were to get rid of at the dump had a box in it that was full of scrapbooks and and important papers. And I could not take that to the dump. No. And, And so I took it home and in the box of goodies, I found a couple of diaries, a couple of notebooks, Uh, scrapbooks of when she and her sister were little girls that Noreen had filled out. I found out that Noreen had had been a Miss Tall America. She lived in Southern California and she was over six foot. Mm -hmm. And so she always felt a little bit uh, awkward and shy. And they had a special contest for tall girls in in her high school and they called it the tall miss america (laughs) how cute and so she had newspaper articles about that and a couple of newspaper articles about her grandparents 50th wedding anniversary so i've kept in contact with her sister and after this is over i have put together the things that i think are keepsakes And I'm going to send the box to her and I'm going to tell her, I could not throw this away. If you want to throw it away, it's up to you. But (laughs) I'm not throwing it away. Well, see, that's the best thing about you guys met through a business. You joined a a service organization. Soroptimus is a women's service organization for people who don't know about Soroptimus. Although I guess you guys have to allow in men, but I don't, do you know of any clubs that have men in them? I do. Okay. And then. But but the man member is the husband of one of the women members. Oh, okay. We have some, (laughs) we have some spouse couples in our, in our club besides John and I. So you have, you know, service organizations are there to help their community in the world, but you guys really helped each other. And that's, I've gotten the same thing through Rotary. Uh Service organizations are kind of like caregiving. Yes. And I'll tell you, um, oftentimes the first person that we would call if we had any kind of a problem or uh, maybe something had happened in the family, the first people that we would call would be our uh, friends from Seroptimist. And the fact that we met weekly, if for some reason the club wasn't meeting that week, 
four or five of us would call each other and we'd go to lunch anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I remember and, that. And it was a great, great support group. I'm really sure. fantastic. Well, I appreciate everything you did for mom. And I will make sure to let you know whenever the celebration of life that's not going to be online is. This is a temporary <laughs> fix for now. Uh-huh. And I really appreciate you telling stories for me today. Well, I, uh, it was fun to remember all of the fun things that we did. I'm going to look through some of the scrapbooks I have. And if I find uh, pictures that I think would uh, be of interest to you, I will scan them and send them. I appreciate it. I don't know if I have enough video photos for uh, to make a video long enough for all the audio that's going to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to like loop it or something. <laughs> all righty. Well, I appreciate it. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Jen. So that's a little bit about my mom before Alzheimer's. I want to finish off with one last story. Mom had a story she told endlessly, and I have stated that I will not be sad if I never hear it again. That holds true so far, but I thought I'd put it out to the internet universe where it can live on forever. This story is one she told so often that even one of her friends in the memory care residence could repeat it verbatim. That fact alone should give you an idea of how often she told this story. I'm going to give you the full story because it does tie in to what you've heard so far. So here goes. When mom was pregnant with me, my Nana, dad's mom, I've talked about her, she's currently 102, made this statement, well, now that you're having a baby, you'll be getting rid of your dogs, right? So I'm currently 53 years old. So that should be a clue as to how profoundly this upset my mom. Mom was always a dog person. My Nana was not. My family did fix that a little bit when we lived with her for three months while our first new home was being built. I caught Nana leaning over the baby gate that kept the dogs in their area, giving one of the dogs a scratch. I will carry that memory with me forever. So in honor of all the dogs Mom had, Imperial... Pierre, Tinker, Katrina, Mina, Daphne. Daphne was the first puppy we had while I was a kid. We got her when I was 12, and she lived just long enough to see my daughter born. Mom always thought she waited to see the baby because she died within two weeks of Laura's birth. Laura was six weeks old when they got Holly. Holly and Laura grew up together, and Holly lived for 17 years. Even for a miniature poodle, that's old. Then there is Misty. Misty weathered all the storms of living with two people with chronic diseases. She comforted mom when they moved into the memory care, and we lovingly rehomed her when it was obvious that living there was no longer healthy for her. There is a poem called The Rainbow Bridge. I can't read it at any time without crying. It's in the show notes, so you can if you want. It was created for pet owners when their cherished furry family members die. The gist of it is that all of our pets are waiting for us on the rainbow bridge to usher us into heaven. I want to conclude this tribute to my mom by saying, I hope you were greeted on the rainbow bridge by all the dogs in your life, by dad and your parents. I love you, mom. <laughs> <laughs>